It's just a public service announcement sponsored by Just Blaze and the good folks at Rockefeller Records. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and <laughs> recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. Oh. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO of the ROC. Ho, fresh out the frying pan into the fire. I be the music man's number one supplier. Flyer than a piece of paper bearing my name. Got the hottest chick in the game wearing my chain. That's right, ho. Not DOC, but similar to them letters. No one could do it better. I check cheddar like a food inspector My homie Strick told me, dude, finish your breakfast So that's what I'ma do, take you back to the dude with the Lexus Fast forward the jewels and the necklace Let me tell you dudes what I do to protect us Shoot at you actors like movie directors Turn my music high, 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 yeah You don't know what you're doing Sure I do I'm from the streets with a hood to swallow on me Bullets will follow on me There's so much coke that you can run the slalom The cops comb this shit top to bottom They say that we are prone to violence But it's home sweet home With personalities clashing, chrome meets chrome The coke prices up and down like it's Wall Street home But this is worse than the Dow Jones Your brains are now blown all over that brown bone One slip you are now gone Welcome to hell where you are welcome to sell But when the shells come you better return them All scars we earn them All cars we learn them like the back of our hand We watch for cops hopping out the back of van Wear a G on my chest I don't need that but then This ain't a sold outfit Holmes Holmes is about it Was clapping them flamers before I became famous But playing me y'all shall forever remain nameless I am home Young Guru, Just Blaze, Killer, Diplomats, huh? Joel Santana, Jim Jones, Freaky Ziki, half a dash, Killer, uh, Young Dream Dick, I've seen it, body warm, hard and lean, man. A nigga steamed it, fiends I lean them, beam a lean dick. Guns, really beam it, really miss, what's really good, bikes really a cream it. I'm a genius, Papadopoulos, never lean it on your zenith. Killer, I get lame and lose it. Beef came to do it, aim to shoot it. Flames till your brain's the fluid. Y'all just kids, see what I just did? Take a couple bars off, let just live. Just blaze. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh. Killer, all the girls see them. Look at his kicks, look at his car. All I say is. Mommy, I'm no good, I'm so hood Clap at your soldiers, sober Let me got this sober, killer Rockefeller, Rough Riders Swiss Beats, it's almost over, y'all Jigga, I really bad uh, uh, uh. Lights out, niggas Jigga What's my motherfucking name? Jigga And who I'm rolling with, huh? My nigga uh, 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 uh. Niggas better get it right, bitches better get it right, oh What's my motherfucking name? Jigga. And who I'm rolling with, huh? My nigga. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Niggas better get it right. Bitches better get it right. From the down in AC. Back on the block, Jay-Z. Motherfucker from the, the, the rock. Wait, the rock. Wait, the rock. Wait, the rock. Wait, the rock. Now cut the 
testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky Gotta testify Come up in the spot looking extra fly For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky Back when it
with a B and H-I-P, H-O-P, without the boy H-O-V, not only NYC, I'm hip-hop savior, so after this flow, you might owe me a favor, when kingdom come, you ready, when kingdom come, I'm ready, when kingdom come, I'm ready, Everywhere I go, they like hope back About the corner office, I just cold the sack When's Iceberg Slim, he was the coldest cat Get your swag back, daddy, where your focus at? Gotta admit a little bit, I was sick of rap But despite that, the boy is back And I'm so evolved, I'm so involved I'm showing growth, I'm so in charge I'm CEO and yeah, going God I'm so indebted, I should have been dead And selling, blowing pop, this is knowing my heart Now I'm so enlightened, I might glow in the dark Hopping up in the office, you might know I'm as Clark But just when you thought the whole world fell apart I take off the blazer, loosen up the tie Step aside, boom, Superman is alive King New York New York, not only NYC, I'm hip-hop savior, so after this flow, you might owe me a favor. When kingdom come, you ready? When kingdom come, uh-huh, not only NYC, I'm hip-hop savior, so after this flow, you might owe me a favor. Oh, my real life, women, throw your hands up. Oh, my real strong, hustlers, 
I'm probably gonna get in so much trouble for playing this. And we don't even speak to whatever. We say that we funny yak. Angela Yee, tell Charlemagne the God to tell DJ Envy run it back. DJ Envy run it back. Oh. Hang my hat, let you know I'm home oh. I'm on my grind, I'm on my team, I'm on my mobile phone oh. My BBMs with puff and hold alone is legendary All you opposing clones is throw the throne is never worry oh. Niggas out here playing that my debut album flop Or that act you never drop until the 15th of February nah. I'm spitting scriptures on you haters in the tracks And yo, I'ma bring it back Mr. Thanksgiving, bring it back Bring it back, bring it back Come on, backflip, come on. You know the guard be back in the cockpit, come on. Money flipping like we on a crack strip, come on. See you ain't saying or doing me jack shit, come on. We about to set it, make you overbread it, run it, go see your medic. Pathetic niggas get demolished, fuck it, I said it. Backflips and watch when the gap spit, come on. Stack chips and fuck with the strap shit, come on. Flip mode. You know we need a town cripple to suck the game dry like milk out of a cow nipple. You talking too much, little bitch, you need to shut the fuck up. Phony frontin' like you know me, little homie, what's up? We come to kill something, that's how it has to be the fuck Got the nerve to try to get on after me Niggas rush the door and bust right through Fight cock the cat, aim and bust a corny niggas just like you And you know we straight rockin' you all, man And there ain't no stoppin' us all, man 
That was a uh, Buster and MOP record that's never coming out, probably. Oh. I think I just played that. Ford hey. Adams, uh, J Electronica record that's also probably never coming out, but whatever. What? <laughs> um, this is a record with me and Natus that might come out. I don't know. I'm just gonna play stuff that's never coming out. Hey! It's coming out now. It's out, it's out. Now I gotta talk all over it. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
I did this record a while back with Drake uh, called Lord Knows. Um, this was the original version before I really figured the record out. Uh, I'll just play a little snippet of it. It's a little similar, but it's different. See what else we got here I don't know I'm just gonna go through my files and just play random shit I think this is more fun I don't like DJing in front of just people just standing there watching you like let's make it into like a school thing or something I don't, I don't, I don't, let's, let's see oh I'm gonna see Snoop when I leave here I might uh, I might play him this for the intro for his album let's see
we'll see what happens. Uh, anybody like video games? Yeah. Anybody used to play like Nintendo or Sega, like eight bit system? I found this. I found this plugin that makes sounds from like that era. So I just made a beat out of those sounds. It's not a sample, but I just made a beat using those sounds. Exhibit G, you know, if you know me and Jay Electronic did uh, a, Exhibit A, B, and C. In case Jay puts his album out one day, I won't play the lyrics, but I'll play the beat to uh, Exhibit G. is in here let's see how much time we got all the time you got you want oh no because i'll be here all night we gotta set the time <laughs> well, that's cool snoop can wait <laughs> snoop can't wait too long <laughs> oh this was the uh we had to cut this record off of blueprint three because of the because uh, of the sample um i could play the instrumental though we interrupt this recording to deliver the following special report
what else we got here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, feed us, feed us. <laughs> <laughs> we hungry. <laughs> Showtime! And who loves you? And who do you love? I love you. Who do you love? I love you. One more time. I'll find like two more. Uh, that's a Jeezy record. I might get in trouble after all of this. I'm not sure. Is that Nina Simone in the sample? Nah, it's not. I can't say who it is, but it's not, it's not Nina Simone. Speaking of which, that movie. No, no, her. Is it? Is it the Nina Simone, Simone movie where Homegirl has all the makeup looking crazy on her? Yeah. That was really bad. It looks like one of those Eddie, Eddie Murphy, like, the clumps. Oh. <laughs> it looks really bad. It's not her fault. She didn't She didn't do the makeup. It just, the makeup artist should have been fired. No, it was just really bad. Uh, Let's see. Oh, this is kind of something. This is the first. Maybe I'll play a Slaughterhouse record. I don't know. Let me see. Uh, This was the first uh, record we ever tracked together. I just played an instrumental. Count that up. Huh.
I need, I need that as a drop later. I'm gonna start putting that in beats. Yo, just feed us. I'm gonna get in so much trouble. That's somebody's album intro. I'm not gonna say who, but that's 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 somebody's album intro. Um, this be oh man, I'm gonna get in trouble. I'll play one more. This is uh me and the homie Kid Chameleon. We started this a little while back. Um, uh, haven't finished it yet, but it's a little twerk flip. Uh, we did not too long ago. We flipped uh. My own shit, Joe, Bu Joe Button, pump it up.
<laughs> hmm. I might stop there. <laughs> I should probably stop there. There's gonna be at least one or two angry phone calls tomorrow. Five so more. <laughs> Find more lawsuits. <laughs> Some of you probably heard this one. There's actually a version of this with Cam. Um, me and Sinjin Hawk did this uh, for Red Bull Music Academy. It was so dope, I had to put Cam on it. I don't have that version in this laptop, though. I wish I did. Cam, send me them files if you're watching. At that. I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. just blame. Yeah. Uh. Ooh. <laughs> you're, you're an OG, but what is happening? <laughs> you're doing some radio show. All right, yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> uh, Anyway, hope you guys had, had, a, had a good time. Had a little fun. Man, make some noise for Just Blaze one right. time. Listen, I started out, I started out wanting to DJ, but I feed off of like parties, so like this feels more like a classroom. <laughs> so I'd rather just like talk and play music. Oh yeah, you, you, you. Spit I can't be the only one over here sweating. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, hope you guys had a good time. You heard some exclusives. Uh, as well as the people tuning in from wherever you're watching from. Hope you guys had a good time. Enjoy the exclusives. Uh, don't take this and rip it and rap on it. Like the beats I play, don't rap on it. <laughs> it's not worth it. I, I won't clear it. Nobody else will clear them. It's just, just enjoy it for what it is. I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, man. I'm, I'm just in awe right now. I'm just I'm soaking it all in. Um, so who are you listening to these days? 
my dogs barking when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> the, my, my, my youngest one, we, we rescued a, a second dog and my oldest dog, he has he, he has a lot of issues. He's he also a rescue, but he was like also abused and was in the streets and he was paralyzed. And it was really bad. He's had a hard life. So now that he's in a good house with a good family, he's overprotective. So he barks and yells at everybody. And my second one has picked up his bad habits. So that's literally what I listen to for half the day. <laughs> I'm, I'm I mean, when, trying when to work on, on music and every and I have construction happening like I'm in my basement. Yeah. So all you hear every two seconds is because they're both little, but they think that they're pit bulls. It's your alarm clock. It, no, it's 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 worse than an alarm clock. It's bad. <laughs> you can't um, hit this music on. wise. <laughs> I listen to a little bit of everything, old and new. There's no one thing in particular that I'm listening to. Um, like. I find sometimes I'm late on music, sometimes I'm ahead of the curve. You know, as always, you find a song that you love, you find out it's two years old or three years old. So, and I'm constantly just shazamming and on iTunes radio getting references. Like, I buy one song and they're like, oh, if you like this, you might like this. And I love it. They're like, oh, this is 15 years old. Like, um, and funny enough, the song that I'm probably bumping the most right now is actually the P Funk All Stars um, Hydraulic Pump bonus mix, which. I was in, where was I at? I was in, uh, not Glasgow. I was in Edinburgh about two weeks ago. And I did a party and it went really well. So well that I went back the next night just to see what else happens on the, the nights, you know, on other nights. And they had a funkin' song night and this dude was playing this record and I swore it was a new song. I'm like, yo, this is like somebody that made a new record trying to sound old, but it's it's new. It just sounds old. I, I went up to him and I'm like, yo, what record is this? And he's like, this is George Clinton. <laughs> Hydraulic pump And I'm like No I had that record It's not that But there was a bonus mix On that album um, That was never released As a 12 inch And the version he played Just blew my mind So I actually That's my shower music right now uh, Whenever I get in the shower Throw that on I get out I feel good um, That's probably the record Like if you go to my iTunes Or like my count My play count Is probably at like 150 plays In like 5 days Damn I'm like that. Once I hear a song, I listen to it over and over and over and over again. And then I get tired of it and never want to hear it again. <laughs> is there anybody you got like specific that you kind of go to for sometimes that like points stuff out? Or are you, are you just In terms of, of like music? Yeah. Um, I mean, not really. I mean, as much as I travel, yeah. I'm always being exposed to music one way or another. Whether it's like, like United, they just changed their music. They, they, for the first time, they have music when you get on a plane now. They never used to have that. They just used to have the uh, safety videos, which were now they got music when you get on a plane. They were playing some banging tropical house yesterday. <laughs> I was trying to shazam it, but it didn't work. And I asked them, like, "Oh, we had this made for us." So now I have to find out who made that music for them. But yeah, now in general, um, for me, it's just I, tr I travel, and if I can't make out what a song is, if I can't shazam it, if I can't sound hound it, if it has lyrics, I'll write the lyrics down or put them on my phone and just try to find out what it is later. Um, we all have our like regular sources, like our record dealers and whatnot. Right. You know, uh, shout out to Gene Brown, my homie down in Atlanta. He always keeps us, you know, keeps me on point when it comes to uh, just every once a month he'll bring me records, you know, that I go through and just to catch inspiration from. But other than that, it's mostly just my travels. You know, right. I, one thing that I notice, um, or one thing that I take advantage of, is the fact that I travel so much. I always have my ears open. Different cultures, different countries, different cities. You never know what you're gonna get exposed to, what you might hear. All right. You get a chance to hear the life of Pablo? Oh, life of Pablo? Nah, I didn't. Um, but what, it keeps changing. 
I figured, wait till he gets the final version. I think it's all complete now. Is it? Yeah, well, yeah. good. I'll check it out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 but I'm, I'm funny like that. Like, no, I shouldn't say funny like that, but it, I'm not in a rush to, there's certain things that I'm not in a rush to listen to. Like somebody like, if somebody like a Kanye or Kanye, or if like a Kanye or a Kendrick puts out a project, those are things you can't just like skim through. You have to like sit there and take in the whole thing yeah. as an experience. So like, that's some. I'll probably listen to that. Like both of those, the Untitled, Unmastered, and Life of Pablo. I'll probably listen to those when I get back on a plane. Do you think Kendrick is is gonna be the next big thing or gonna be one of the greats? Kendrick is already uh, a big thing. Uh, well, whether or not he'll be not one of the, the greats, I mean that's all. Right? That's all speculative, uh, or not not speculative, but it's all it's all retroactive. Like when Illmatic came out. We didn't necessarily say this is going to be one of the greatest albums ever. You yeah. know, when Reasonable Doubt came out, we knew it was great. We didn't necessarily say that. It took Jay to do five or six other albums, or Nas to do a bunch of other albums for us to say yes, these guys are, you know, um, some of the all-time greats. That said, uh, Kendrick is laying a great blueprint for being one of the greats. You know, he's impacted our culture in a lot of ways that most artists could only dream of. When you worked on Compton with him, mm -hmm. did you see that initially, did, right off the bat? No, to be honest, when I worked on Compton, I wasn't sure. Be, but it wasn't really so much a Kendrick is because there were so many different versions of Compton. I wish I had my other laptop hooked up, the one that's in my bag. Because there were like three versions of Compton before Kendrick even came along. Like, I had wrote, like me and Sly, I want to say, and uh, what was homie's name? He actually passed away. I can't remember his name right now. Um... Hayes actually wrote the original framework of that record and then it went through so many mutations and versions um, by the time uh, Dre hit us and said you know Kendrick's gonna get on it um, that was actually the first time Dre and Kendrick ever worked together oh, wow. was on Compton when he when, when he first decided he was gonna start bringing Kendrick around um, he sent him over to Jimmy's studio where we were all at and had him like Compton and it was dope it was just I had heard so many versions of that record I had to kind of walk away from it to really appreciate it sometimes it's like when you work on something for so long like we had with a few records that were from like that detox era um you hear them so much that you you have to walk away from them for, for a while to really come back and appreciate them because you hear them so much that you can't hear them as songs anymore you just hear them as something you're working on and you're trying so much to dissect all the different parts and make it a great record that like you can walk away from it and then a month later you're like yo this is actually amazing yeah once we once i walked away from it for a while we went back to finally mix it and finished it and i added the outro and all those talk or not the talk box but the vocoder parts by that point i knew it was amazing you know but it just took a while for us to get there and it wasn't because of kendrick it was just because i had worked so much on that song and you have the other versions on the other laptop yeah i do so you're not gonna play um <laughs> we're gonna get that other laptop what a mercy <laughs> so so vinyl sales i don't know if you know this but they're up they're 50%. up they're very up yeah okay cool do you think that with with that being said do you think the up-and-coming producers like the future bass guys hip-hop trap do you think they're gonna be sampling more or do you think it's still gonna be i mean be a lot of those guys do sample they don't necessarily sample like the way i grew up sampling finding a, a that's a what i'm talking about like that style of sampling i don't know i don't know if they really need to to be honest i mean i feel like most of the, the vinyl sales are up but they're i don't think they're really up amongst us i feel like they're up amongst people who are it's like i feel like the, there was a wave that started there was a fad that came back into play and a lot of actually 
everyday regular consumers started picking back up on it. A lot of them like vinyl and may not even necessarily know why they're into it. It's just kind of the cool thing to do, yeah. which is great because it preserves a certain part of a culture. But most of the guys that I know, the younger guys who are going out and still, they're di still digging, but they're still digging on YouTube and on iTunes and all these other places, which is, you know, which is cool. Um, as long as older music, my thing is I don't care how the music is played or how it's consumed as long as it's, as long as it is consumed and preserved. You know what I mean? Because one thing that uh, drives me nuts is when I listen to certain, like, how can I put this without, I don't want to insult anybody. Um, somebody that I came across recently who I had somewhat of a connection to gave me um, some music to listen to or gave me actually a, it was a, a demo a demo uh, DJ set basically they um, wanted me to help them maybe get gigs in clubs or you know wherever just you know, help them get work as a DJ and when I listened to it I'm like dude technically you're amazing you don't miss a beat. There's no mistakes. You're seamless. Your transitions are great. But everything that you've played, it's like you went to the top 10 of Beatport. <laughs> right. You know, or DJ City, or Track Source, or anywhere else. You just went to the top 10 and grabbed all those records and sequenced them, in, in a, you know, in a row. And it sounds good, but um, I have, my relatives could do this, and they never, they've never DJed in their life. You know, my, my little sister could do this, and she's never DJed in her life. You gotta go and find those other records that are, gonna, that are gonna separate you. So in the middle of your set, when you break out with one record that people necessarily aren't familiar with, or a lot of, or only the music heads in the crowd are familiar with, things like that separate you because the rest of the of the crowd looks at the quote unquote cool kids who are now appreciating what you're doing, and they're like, "Oh, this guy must be great because now the cool kids love him." You know what I mean? Like, right. you gotta do something to separate yourself. So I don't care how how the music is being. Uh, Consume whether it's on vinyl, CDs, whatever. As long as it is being consumed and, and it's being preserved, that's all that matters. Now, when you sample, is there anything in particular you're kind of like listening for? I'm just listening for excitement. Yeah, you know, um, excitement and emotion. Um, us as producers, you know, I started out as a DJ. I obviously, made my name as a producer, but uh, everything that I've made about everything that I'm uh, accomplished in producing, I learned from DJing from the time I was very young and. The main thing that I learned from DJing that uh, translates into my production is emotion. And when I say emotion, I don't necessarily mean being emo. I don't mean being sad and walking around with goth shit all over your face. I just mean emotion in general, whether it's happy, mad, sad, excited, angry, wanting to party, you know, whatever it is. Music should strike a chord within you. And when I look for samples, that's really the first thing that I'm looking for is for something to hit me. Whether it's on a positive note, a negative note, or anywhere in between, and anywhere in between. Is there ever a time that you kind of like just find something you, you look at it like kind of like as a challenge to to make it into something maybe greater? Oh yeah, I mean, two of my biggest records, or I should say, two of my best records, and one of them was my biggest record. Um, Ti, live your life, and uh, what was the other one? Jay Z. I, I did the chop earlier. Uh, Kingdom Come. Um, Kingdom Come can't, comes from Super Freak, you right. know, which was which we all know as you can't, or up until that point was always known as you can't touch this. Um, how do you take that and make that into a serious, hard New York rap record? It's like yeah. the ultimate, it's sacrilegious. <laughs> I'm going to take this sample known for MC Hammer and make it into the hardest Brooklyn rap record. But we did it. Right. You know, um, same thing with like, uh, with Live Your Life. Um, 
obviously the Numa Numa record, you know, was a big techno record, uh, Eastern European, whatever, you know, thing, but, and then it got even more popular when um, one of the first viral videos ever was the, uh, if you Google fat kids singing, it's the kids singing, <laughs> and I remember sitting in the, in, the uh, in my office one day and being like, I want to make that into a rap record, but a serious rap record. So serious that people won't even realize that it's the same song. And um, did it kind of just as the same way I did Kingdom Come as like something to put on the internet for fun and for free. That's the same way Live Your Life started. It was something I was just gonna, like, let me just take this really silly viral record or viral video and make it into a rap song. And it just so happened that T.I. called me that night like, yo, I need a record and it's either gonna be Justin Timberlake or Rihanna, what you got? And I was like, well, <laughs> I think I can make this into something. So then I had to go back and start actually writing to it. And we wrote that hook around it, around that same melody. And um, Tip heard it and was like, this is amazing. Where'd you get the idea? And I was like, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Just rock with it. Just rock and that, with that, it. That, that, that was it. That, that ended up being one of his biggest records ever. Crazy. Now, I don't know if anyone saw the Bauer collab kind of coming up. How did that come about? Like. Uh, we have a mutual friend who is now uh, our mutual agent, uh, but at the t- a calendar uh, from AM only. Um, he uh, he he's repped ha- Harry for a while, and he was just always like the homie that was around that I didn't really know where he came from. Like wherever I was doing parties in New York, he found his way into the booth. And I don't. And he, his signature, he wears a red a, a red hat like the Dave Chappelle. Uh, Crackhead hat. <laughs> that that's that's his actually the red beanie, which is now like a fashionable thing. Right. He was ahead of the curve with that. <laughs> but he used to um always I would always look to my left and look at the and look over and be like, How did the dude with the red hat get back in the booth? I never knew who he was. But he was always around and once and we, once we got to talking, he was actually kind of you know, he was cool. But I really didn't know who he was. Like he was a kid that you know, like, oh that's that kid that works for MTV. I didn't know who he was. Um, but when eventually we got to talking, you know, uh, and we ended up becoming friends over the years. And um, AM Only had been trying to rep me for a while. Um, different agents had actually approached me over the years about uh, working with them. It just wasn't something I was ready for at the time. So eventually I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. And uh, Calendar was like, I got this kid I want you to meet. His name is Bauer, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool. Um... So I want to get you guys in the studio. I'm like, well, why don't we just have dinner first? And he's like, huh? And I'm like, dude, if I can, if I don't like the person, I'm not gonna. What's the point of going to the studio? Right. So uh, we didn't have time to make it to dinner, but um, I had him come meet me at a this like dive bar at like three in the morning around the corner from my house. <laughs> I didn't know I woke him up. Like I, I, apparently he got a call from his manager like, yo, Just Blaze wants to meet you right now. It was like, he's like, it's two in the morning. They're like, yeah, he wants you to go right now. Did you make him go get a sugar cookie? No, no, no. no some no, Cambodian like breast milk? No, no. No Cambodian <laughs> breast milk. No, uh, no cheesecake, nothing like that. Um, but he I, he, I didn't know until years later, but I did make him get out of bed. And uh, he came. He came, and we met. We hung out, and uh, we just kicked it for like an hour or two. And I just liked his sensibility. That was my thing. It was like if I like you, we're both talented. We know that already. But we have to get along. Okay. We got along. You know, I respected what he what he had. Uh, you know, been doing over the years, and I was a little bit familiar with him already. Um, and we went to the studio shortly after that and started making a record. And Calendar had been trying to put us on a tour together. So we said, all right, if we're gonna do a tour, we gotta have a reason for it. Like. Because 
if my I have fans from a few different eras and generations, but for the most part, they are from the earliest, you know, the earliest stages of my career, from like 2000 to like 2006 or seven. Um, so I don't want it to be a thing where there's like this one crowd that's like 30 year olds and this other half of the crowd is coming to see you as like 18 year olds and it just ends up being a weird thing which kind of still happened but that record helped bring those two crowds together my thing was I wanted to, like, let's make a record that makes both of our core audiences be able to rock with each other allows them to rock with each other Right. So that's why I based the record around the you don't know thing because my age group gets that, his age group gets that record because it's one of those few classic Jay Z records that just goes across all, right. you know, all eras and all genres. So it just it made perfect sense and it would be easy for me to clear because it's my record. So um, we did the record, it we put it on SoundCloud. Um, the agency got mad at me, the management got mad at me, my management and his management, like everybody got mad at us for me putting the record out because they're like we could have got a exclusive on this website or that website I'm like it'll be fine don't worry <laughs> they're like what do you mean it'll be fine it's Thursday night at 4 o'clock in the morning I'm like it'll be fine put the record out by the end of that weekend we had like half a million plays on SoundCloud um, with nobody no PR nobody hired nobody was paid to do anything we just put it out organically and it, and it worked um, by the time the tour kicked off we already had over a million plays um, the tour got extended because of that record. Then Harlem Shake blew up, and it just became this monstrous thing. And what was supposed to be a ten-city run ended up being like twenty-five or twenty-six cities. Damn. Um, and definitely, uh, you know, put my career in a different place, in a great place, but in a different place than what it was than where it was at before. Um, and that's pretty much you know how that whole thing happened. We I didn't sell it to anybody. I didn't. Because I, I owned it, I didn't sell it to any kind of a you know every label. Every label came calling right away, but I'm like you know you know what we don't need this. We, we let's own it for now. Let's own it. You know me and him fifty fifty. Let's make all the money we can and then sell it. So we tore it off of that record for like ten months, then sold it to Universal for a good amount of money. Got a video out of it, then sold it to H and R Block. After that, yeah. for a lot more <laughs> money for ta the tax season commercial. <laughs> and um, it's funny um, because the record that I held on to and didn't give to anybody and didn't sell and just kept it, you know, kept it to myself as an artist made me way more record, made, made way more money than any other record that I've ever done with an artist ever. Like any other record that I've done for like a J or an M or Drake or whoever. I made ten, five times that with hire, and, and by not selling it to anybody. That's including the festival money. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like doing festivals, the license deals, the money from Universal, all that other stuff. All that is way more money than I've than I've ever seen from one individual rap record. Damn. You know, and there were artists that were trying to buy that record when we came when it came out. Like, yo, let me rhyme on that. No. <laughs> I mean, let me just hold on to it and see what happens because I just had a good feeling about it, and that record has, uh, you know, like I said, it's a, uh, it's been, it's been a game changer, definitely. Tell us the story of uh, PSA, how they came about right before the album dropped. Uh, PSA um, came about thanks to my homie Big Jack. Um, he had the record, the, uh, the little boy blue sample, and we were at Battery Studios mixing 
something else. It wasn't even a Jay Z record. It was like a Memphis Bleak record. Um, oh, it was a song called Hypnotic, with Jay Bleak and Beans on it. And we were also mixing the Black album at the same time around the corner at Baseline. So while we were mixing Hypnotic, uh, my homie Jack comes through, and he's like, "Yo, play this record right now." And I put on some headphones because we were mixing. And it's the, uh, dun, 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 dun. I'm like, what the motherfuck, what? <laughs> and I kept spinning it back, and I'm like, oh, we have to make this beat right now. So I made the beat in the headphones while the engineer was mixing Hypnotic, uh, Ken Lewis. And I asked Ken to stop it for a minute, to stop mixing so I could put it on the speakers. And he heard it, and he was like, please let me mix this record. And I'm like, it's not even a record yet. It's just a beat. He's like, I know that's going to be a classic. And I'm like, all right, we'll see, whatever. So anyway, later on uh, later on that night, I go back to, around the corner of the baseline, play it for Jay, and Jay's like, I don't know if we need this. <laughs> and everybody in the room is looking at him like, what? Like, this, we, we do need this. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And he leaves, and he comes back. He's like, play that again? He's like, all right, we'll see. So the next the black album is already finished. Yeah. Um, it's already been handed in. It's already being manufactured. CDs already exist of the black album without PSA on it. Damn. And um, the next day he's playing the album for Viacom. So Viacom's like BET, MTV, VH1. All the executives are coming in throughout the day, and he's in the room playing it with for them. And like every twenty minutes between listening sessions, or every hour I should say between listening sessions, he's coming into the other room, into my room. And like laying eight bars and then going back into the next listening session, coming back, laying another eight bars. So he'd stop at like, not DOC, uh, something, something, no one could do it better. All right, I'll be right back. And then go back into the other room, have a meeting, play the album, come back. I chat, chat like a fool, back like the, my homie Swift. Uh, nah, I like this anymore. Go back to the other room, come back, later, play it again. And he just kept going back at it every time he got finished with his listening sessions. At the time it was, by the time he was done with the first verse, he's like, "All right, stop the press, literally stop the press," like his albums already being manufactured. So now he had to. I don't know how many they had made. It was probably about a hundred thousand by then. Then to scrap all of those, just just put it in the uh, recycling, just trash. Someone's got it. Yeah, somebody has a copy of the Black Album without PSA on it. I I would actually like to have one of those. I had the artwork, like the actual sleeve, but I don't have the actual CD. Um, and uh, that was it. You know, um, less than a month later. The entire world knew that record, you know. Yeah. So Jay Z put out a diss track to Tupac. I've never heard this. You never heard it? Okay. No. I was listening to Clark Kent. Yeah, Clark. Clark. Uh, I think might have been one of the one of the only people to hear that record. Um, and I want to say in that era, like when Pac died. I mean, obviously this had to have it happen before he died. Yeah. When he died, I was like still in school, just trying to pass algebra two. So through it with all, everything, so I wasn't around for any of that. All the all the producers you made, you, no one ever played it for you or anything. Because Clark nobody Kent said he it. got rid of it. He said I didn't even want it. Yeah, you know, nobody has it. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that I don't think there's a copy that physically exists outside. If, if maybe Clark took a copy, I don't know. Other than that, there's like I said, I was trying to pass algebra two, real talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> I sucked at math. So that that was what was that like? That had to have been what ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I was just trying to get out of out of Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> so the Blueprint album's being made, and you know we hear stories of of you in one room, 
and Ye in the in the next room, and mm-hmm. Jay's going back and forth, and it's just like it was like a battle of beats. No, nah. was was it? Was it that so Jay serious? likes to remember it as a battle of beats. To me, it wasn't necessarily a battle. I was just trying to like. You gotta remember, like with with the or not the truth to remember, you weren't there, but like with the blueprint, Ye gave most of his beats in all at once. Like he gave Jay a CD of four or five beats, and those four or five beats are the, his were his songs on the album. Um, so it wasn't like Ye kept showing up, being like, "Here's more, here's more, here's more." I want to say the only one he gave him after the fact was the "Girls, Girls, Girls" remix. Because obviously I had already done the Girls, Girls, Girls record. So he came back like, here, here's a better version. <laughs> um, <laughs> sound, doesn't, doesn't sound like yay. It don't sound like yay. And I was kind of like, damn, it is better. <laughs> that was probably, to be honest, out of all the mythical, um, out of all like the, the mythical stories or whatever about how me and him were like neck and neck, it wasn't even really like that. For me, at least personally, it wasn't. Um, except for when that girls, girls, girls remix when he brought that CD in, or when he when he brought that tape in, I was just like, "Damn, that shit is hard." <laughs> like, I don't know if I can outdo that. But the record might, wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for the original. So right. it is what it is. They, they go Take hand that. in hand. You know, that's that's that, that, and I think that record is actually exemplary of what our relationship was like. A lot of times during that Rockefeller era was it was more so like oh you did that watch me do it better or you did that watch me do it better you know what I mean or do something that's gonna top that you know um, so I guess there was an element of competition but it wasn't like it wasn't heat, it wasn't as heated as some people drum it up to be um, especially because at that point I was I was rocking my, my career was already rocking and Kanye was his ultimate goal was to be a rapper he was just using producing as a means to get getting to be a rapper. I th- like if there's one song where he says, uh, "Just Blaze is making beats for rhymes. I'm just making beats for busters." Um, that's kind of where it was at the time. You know what I mean? Like so, my, I wasn't looking at it as, "Oh, I got to take this guy out." It was, "Let me just keep doing what I'm doing." And I don't think he was even concentrating on taking me out. It was more so just like, "Let me get enough people to rap on my beats so that people will recognize me as a artist." Because I. The more they buy my beats, the more I can give them hooks. Like I remember when he was doing uh when we did uh Guess Who's Guess Who's Back with uh Scarface and Jay. And he called me like, yo, like what rhymes with uh what was it? Uh Guess Who's Bizak, Back Cooking So whatever the hook was, I forget what the line was, but it's like what rhymes with this? And I'm like, I don't know. Back on a block with the O's. Oh yeah, back in the block with the old Scarface, Mac Mittens, and Hove, and I'm like, all right, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what he was. I didn't know even know why he was asking. Until I was in the studio later, and I'm like, oh, get your cut. Damn, <laughs> I need two percent. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's you know, like I said, our, our relationship was more so bouncing ideas off each other. Um, I remember at one point, me, him, and Big were talking about doing an album together. Um, didn't happen for for various reasons. Um, but there was at one point almost gonna be a yay blink uh, a yay uh Justin Bink album. And uh yeah, that, that fell to the wayside. That probably would have been crazy. All three of us at in that era doing what we do probably would have been crazy. Um, but you know, coulda woulda shoulda. Yeah. Now it could be a, a big record or a record that we've never even heard, but what was probably the 
your favorite record that you ever worked on? My favorite record I ever worked on? You don't have to give me one, maybe two, three, or whatever. Who got kids in here? Who has kids? Who has multiple kids? (laughs) Where my man X at? How many kids you got? Ten. (laughs) Do you love one more than the other? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, you can't pick one one kid that you love more than your others. Of course. For me, all my music is an extension of me, the same way our children are an extension of us. Um, you know, so uh, there are records that like that. Um, personally, I love what I play play for an audience, and I get a certain response. Right. So there are records that I appreciate because they've helped. They probably put bigger bricks in my foundation. Right. But I love. I have records that are terrible. That I still love. I wouldn't say what my terrible records are because I don't want to slight the artist. But <laughs> I had some records out there that suck. All right, what about a standout experience in the studio? Like, like just you just had a blast. Uh... Ooh, dude, my whole life has been a blast. There you go. Yeah, remember I was a. I'm not being like. I'm not trying to be politically correct. Or whatever. Right. It's just. I, I, my my whole thing was music is a hobby. I'm going to college to be a computer programmer and sit in a cubicle. And hopefully program some like video games or accounting programs or database programs or something like that. I was I was a computer programmer. Dope. You know, probably part of the reason why I've excelled in music because computers have always been a big part of, you know, pro- what we do is program. Right. Um, and logic. Um, no pun intended, not logic to software, but just using logic <laughs> like a program. Yeah, right. Like, you know, like when I was a kid, when I was in like fifth grade, they were like, X plus two equals five. I'm like three. They're like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, it's logic. Only other kids are looking at like looking at me like I'm an alien, you know. My brain has just always worked logically, so my whole plan was to more, more than likely be a a computer programmer. So the fact that I'm even sitting here in a room with a bunch of DJs and producers and music people talking about what I've done over the past 15, 16 years is still a blast because I'm like, why do y'all care? Oh yeah, I made some cool records. It's it's you know I. I appreciate it every day because it could be gone tomorrow. You know, most a lot of the uh, producers and DJs that I grew up idolizing, even though they hold huge um, places in my heart and in my uh, in my you know as inspiration for me, a lot of them had two or three year runs. Think about all the records that you loved growing up. You know who they were produced by. Chances are that guy might not have been hurt, been even heard from uh, three years after that, two years after that. I'm going on, you know. 16, 17 years, it's uh, it's kind of mind-blowing for me. So every day is a blast. I had a, a conversation with a, an artist um, about making music for the now versus making music that's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased towards making music that's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand the theory of making music for the now. It's like it's a quick book. You know, you do right. the tr- festivals, you, you gotta travel. You got to learn to balance the two. Well, what, what, with that being said, what do you, how do you feel about that? About like, my do you, goal do you has always been one or the other. My goal has other? always been to make music that will last. Um, and the thing is, when you have, like, all right, there's obviously a dominant sound that's happening right now across the board, whether it's hip hop music, electronic music, dance music, whatever you want to call it. There are dominant sounds that are happening there. Um, you can go and cash in on that sound if you can replicate it. Great, but you you might not be here, or that re- or that record might not be here, you know, in in a year from now or two years from now. For me, my thing has always just been make 
making good music that fits into the soundscape of right now, but doesn't necessarily sound like everything else that's out right now. Um, throughout the various eras of my career, if you um, if you can make a record that's just a good record that just feels good, but doesn't necessarily sound like anything else that's out. If at its core it's a great record, it'll still be here ten years from now. You know, like I've done sets, festival sets for kids. When I say kids, I mean like 18, 19, year, 20 year olds who were probably when I was starting out or maybe five, six years old. They know some of those records because they're timeless because DJs still go back to them and play them because it still resonates with people. Um, and that's always been to me the more rewarding thing. Like, it's great. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. It's great to have a top 10 record that's playing nonstop over and over and over again. Um, but chances are, if it sounds like a rec- like ten of the records that's out, it will, it may not be here next year, you know. So in that case, if that's what you're gonna base your career on, to base your sound on, get your money while you can, capitalize on it, and get it. But you better be be able to or be ready to switch it up, you know, in six months. Yeah. Tell us about your studio. Like, what's your setup? Plugin software? What do you produce on? My setup is very simple these days. You know, I was um lucky enough to two times over have my own studios you know like SSL rooms four or five thousand square feet you know record rooms and every piece of outboard gear and every keyboard you can imagine um now it's me and my laptop in a in a nice room um with my barefoot monitors and logic and a keyboard and my records you know um uh for me your most important and most valuable assets in a studio are your ears, your brain, and your heart, more so than anything else. You know, you can have every plugin in the world. If you can't make music, if you suck, you suck. It's like Serato versus Crates of Records. Serato or Tractor is not gonna mix for you, it's not gonna scratch for you, it's not gonna suck your songs for you. If you suck, you suck. You know, so I know guys who have rooms or studios five times the size of this room right here, and their music is trash. <laughs> I know guys who have a laptop and a they don't even have a keyboard. They got a mouse and some drum pads and mix some of the most amazing music amazing music you've ever heard. You know what I mean? So um me personally I have, you know, my records, I have a nice size room, my monitors, uh logic, the full logic suite, um, whatever controller I have hap- happen to have hooked up that day, you know, and my ideas. That's the most important part. Uh, don't go out and, and don't get me wrong it's nice to know what other producers are using it's nice to know what other equipment DJs are using you know but just remember if you suck you suck <laughs> And if you, but if you're good you're good you know some of the best records of our uh, some of the best records of my formative years were made in people's kitchens and basements some of the worst records ever were made at the Hit Factory that's not a knock at the Hit Factory. You guys might not even know what the Hit Factory is. Hit Factory is a legendary New York studio. They made some great music. Don't get me wrong, but they also made some really they, a lot of trash came out of there. But you know, a lot of a lot of great music came out of people's basements. True. Is there a, and this might be a really short list, but is there anybody you haven't collaborated with that you want to? Nah. The only thing I'm trying to collaborate these days with that I don't get to collaborate with enough is sleep. <laughs> I spend so much time traveling in all planes. I'm not complaining, but it's just, it's um, it's one of those things where I'm like, damn, like you look at certain artists who like they've been touring all their lives, and I'm like, I don't know how you do it, because I'm not, I'm just, you know, 
getting up there in my 30s and I'm like, how do you do it? Um, <laughs> nah, musically there really isn't. Um, I feel like um, I'm fortunate enough to, at least in my dominant, most relative genre of hip hop, I've touched on everybody that I could want to in their primes. There's plenty of people that I would that I would say I would love to work with if they were in their prime, but you know, some of those artists aren't. They aren't the same person they were back then. Um, so overall, nah, I'm 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 satisfied with who I've worked with so far. I'm always open to work with more people, but there's nobody that I could say I'm done work with that person. Like if there is, they're probably dead. Who would it be? Like James Brown is dead. Uh, that was actually a techno song. <laughs> James Brown is dead. Uh, James Brown, Michael Jackson. I feel like I would have loved to have been. I would love to have known what I know now. Back in seventy like eight, when I was like sperm, <laughs> and been able to like go back and work with Michael Jackson back then. Just knowing what I know now, all right, um, or even like Thriller era. You know when I was young. Um, but had the knowledge that I like, I would have loved to have made a record with Michael Jackson Thriller era, or like James Brown Payback era. Um, other than that, I mean, there's a million people, but you know, I'm content. I'm content. I'm not. I'm not one of those people that's like, I wish I could have done this. I've done a lot. This is uh, my last question before mm -hmm. I trade places with you. And Mickey's got a couple more, but um, I had talked with Waka Flocka about the state of hip hop, and he was saying that. He got away from it because it was just too, too much gangster stuff. You know the mean mugging, and he he just wanted to have fun, but it was just getting out of control. Right. What What do you think hip hop is now? From From Kendrick to like, to the Southern ATL. You know all like all. I that. mean, everybody's experience is gonna be different. You know, like Waka's experience because he's an artist, and because he, the thing is, what's interesting is Waka makes music that attracts a mean mug feel. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you get has, what you create. Waka has a mean mug, um, force, or not force field, tractor beam. Like, <laughs> he made hard in the paint. Yeah, right. he still made, goes off. He made he made Grove <laughs> Street partner. Those records, I'm not a thug. <laughs> hard in the paint comes on. I'm like, fuck somebody up. <laughs> you know. So um, I can understand why he's probably been around a lot of that. Now that being said. <laughs> As a DJ, I also play a lot of those records, and sometimes I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, in certain areas, certain venues, you know, certain parties, and I'm just like, why am I here? So I, I do understand what he's saying, don't get me wrong. Because, like, I've made some of the rowdiest music of the early to mid 2000s, but that's not my personality. But I, I just know how to channel a sound that used to make people act that way. So, and I feel like it's the same thing with him. He just likes to have party, you know, have to party and wild out. He's not necessarily. You know the one trying to bust his gun and 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 you know and 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 have a, and have problems or start problems. Um, so I feel where he's coming from. It's like sometimes you just want to party and have fun, and you're looking to the crowd and you're like, "Yep, there they go." You know, five people knocking each other out, and it's just you know drama in the club. So I understand where he's coming from. Me personally, I feel like it's all it all depends on where you're at, who you're surrounding yourself with, and you know, and what venues you're doing, what promoters you're working with, you know. I've done events or festivals or dates where I've played some of the rowdiest music and never had a problem. I've done other events where I'm playing the most chill out music or the most chill music and a riot breaks out. I had a riot break out to me playing Celine Dion. <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? I was playing My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> I, 
ass. And and um, oh it was gosh. actually this this is routine that I do sometimes when I end festivals, um, where I have this like trap edit thing that I do live. Where my heart will go on. Yeah. <laughs> Something. And this is this is usually the part everybody's like. <laughs> it's like the kumbaya moment. Everybody's right. hugging each other. No. Somebody <laughs> broke a bottle over somebody's head. <laughs> and then it just happened right when I started, to, like, and then right after that, uh, somebody broke a bottle over somebody's head and then stuck him aside with the bottle. Yo. Next thing you know, you know, it turns into a little bit of a thing. And I don't realize I see it, but I'm like, I'm already. With certain routines, I'm like a robot. Like, right. I know I'm already doing. Right. So now, and I already had told the lighting guy, when you hear bum 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 bum, that's when you turn all the lights red. So the fight breaks out, and then bum 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 bum, and the lights go red, and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> now now people are looking at me like, oh, you caused the riot. I'm perfect. You, you, you set up the fight. Scene. Yeah, I set, I set up the fight scene. Um. But yeah, so I, I, I get why he feels that way, but you know, it's, it's that element's always going to be there. And it's not a racial thing, it's not a cultural thing, it's just an energy thing. People get hype. You know, you, you always might have a, uh, a few bad apples in the bunch that might, you know, that, that might cause a problem. Um, in terms of hip hop, yeah, in certain areas, there's going to be some dudes that are more mean mugging than others. I just try to stay away from those areas. Right. Uh, I, got, I got too much to. Uh, I got too much to, to gain. Not lose. I got too much to gain, to really be around those. You know, and my agents, and myself are pretty good about just making sure that I'm in the right elements. So, what's uh, with that said? Uh, what's your favorite city to play? Like, what's the most hype city? One of my let me see my favorite cities. I'll tell you this: one of the best experiences I ever had was in Hamburg, in Germany. Like, I didn't know how Europeans party. This was like back when I first started going to Europe. And, you know, in New York, we think we're doing it because we don't go to the club until 2 in the morning, one thirty in the morning. Whereas, like, in L.A., people are in the club by, like, 11 o'clock. Yeah. Because <laughs> by one by one fifteen the lights are on. Yeah. You know, so, like, aside from, like, New York, you really only have, like, Miami and Atlanta where there's more of a later culture in terms of nightlife. All right. Um, and I'm used to, like, 4 a.m., 4, 4.30 a.m. in New York being late. So they booked me to start, they booked me to play in Germany. So I'm thinking it's going to be like 12.30 start time, 1 o'clock start time. Nah. They were like, you start at 2 a.m. And I'm like, okay. It's supposed to be an hour set. So I get on at 2, the club is all right. By 2.30, it's popping. But then by like 4, it's like peak. And I'm like, okay. So I kept playing and kept playing. And they were like, you want to keep... They were, I'm like, so what time am I stopping? What time should I stop? They're like, go as long as you want. I played until 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason I realized this is because by, yeah. by uh, something that happened, and I, I forget what happened, but something happened and I had to stop for a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, and I was like, yeah, what time is it? <laughs> People were going to work. Um... People go to work, uh, the sun was all the way up, and I'm like, wow, so this is how they get down to Europe. I, and I never knew that. So ever since then, every year, 
Um, I, I go back to that same club and we do like a six hour, seven hour marathon. Damn. And that to me is the most fun because on the one hand, it's cool to like play five seconds of this record, 10 seconds of this record and just jump back and forth. Sometimes you just want to go on that ride. Pardon me. And just rock out for like six, seven hours. I haven't done that since I was like 16. <laughs> back when I had to do that. Right, right. Like, it wasn't 50. an option. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was no option at all. It was like, you want this fifty dollars for tonight? <laughs> you better play for eight hours. <laughs> well, damn. And that's what I had to do. <laughs> I have here on my notes that uh, you said your jersey collection added up to a crib in Jersey. Oh boy! What did you do with all your jerseys? They're in my mother's basement. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe one day they'll come back. They're, I mean, they're they're on their way. They're they're here. I'm not a fashion icon like that. I can't bring them back. I mean, are they are they like oversized as well? Oh yeah, they're oversized like eighty. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, they come like down to my knees. It's so bad. Like, and you can't even cut them to get them. Like, it's just it's bad. <laughs> All right, so um, I heard you're you're a sneaker guy in general. Um, I, I'm a big fan of sneakers as well. Now, do you believe the Yeezy jumped over the jump man? It's really possible. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I don't know. I was I was actually actually thinking about that yesterday. He might have ruled that in the big, like in the big. Cause um, I don't know. It's like sometimes some Jordans come out. Nobody cares. Right. Some Jordans come out, they sell out right away. Right. Don't let don't let some Yeezys come out. <laughs> because somebody's dying. Right. Over the over that release. So I don't know. Yeah, there's people camping out already. It's it's two weeks prior. It's plausible. <clears throat> right now. I will say when when, that, when he first made that statement, he sounded crazy. Right. Now. What are you? I mean, what are you? What are you rocking on? The, what's your rotation looking like? My rotation right now, um, my rotation right now, Adidas, uh, Tubular X, Year of the, uh, whatever the year was, Year of the Monkeys, I think it is. The Red Joints? Yeah. Yeezys, Jordans, White Vans. <laughs> Damn. 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 Damn, yo. <laughs> On that note, my asthma is killing me. I might have to make a move. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to start up. No I don't, don't want to have an asthma attack. No, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's get you out here. Yeah, def- um, white vans before Daniel. Right. Um. Any upcoming releases that you're looking forward to? Nah. Like, it gets to a certain point. Like, I have like 7,000 pairs of sneakers. Literally. 7, literally, literally like 7,000 pairs of sneakers. Damn. What am I going to do? Like, I haven't worn 40% of the sneakers that I have. Um, I think it's in terms of like grails, the last two grails that I had were the Metacom Dunks and the Dornbecker uh, 4s, the Superman ones. Yep. I got those. I'm cool. You're good. 
I've literally like probably thrown away and trashed so many grails at this point. I'm just like, I, I can't. Like, you know what happened? I bought a house. It's a really big house. It's <laughs> <laughs> nice. Talk to him. Um, I'm not even bragging. I'm just saying I bought a house. It's right. a nice house. Like it was a four family building. <laughs> that is now my house. Right. I still have to put sneakers in storage. The whole Yo. idea was we're gonna have a sneaker wall. We're gonna right. have this. We're gonna have that. Yeah. And then like my my uh, I don't know if you want to call it a walk-in closet. Your running running run closet. No, the walk-in closet, the wardrobe room, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's about size of 75 percent of this room. Okay. And I had California closets come in and like do all this stuff and put these compartments in. Just it didn't fit. <laughs> so then like I went to my hallways in the stairwell. Yeah. And I installed closets in the hallways. <laughs> and there's like two closets on each floor. Not enough. And then in my studio there's a wall there. It's not enough. And I have three storage rooms all around the corner from me. It's not enough. And then I still had um, one of my old storage rooms in New York City that I forgot about, or in New York that I forgot about down by the Holland Tunnel. So my assistant goes over there. I'm like, what's in there? He's like, sneakers. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, it's a bunch of bathing apes. And I forgot that bathing ape had given me like 100 pairs of sneakers when I was working with them. All right. So at a certain point, it's just like, it's too much. Like... What am I gonna do with them? Well, if you want to clear them out, let me know. <laughs> but then what if, like, there was one time that somebody like found a pair of my sneakers and put them on eBay, and they were like, "These are just blazers, bathing apes." <laughs> I'm not gonna be that guy. Since like, what I do, like, secretly put them on eBay. Like, I'm not just gonna give them away. Like, I, I give them. I, I, don't get me wrong. I've given a lot of stuff away. What am I gonna do? Like, just open up my storage? Like, hey, first come, first serve. Nah, you. I, I'll buy them. I own, I, 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 this I, is worth money. I own a sneaker store. Oh, then we can talk. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Nah, like, That's uh, there you go. Yeah, nah, like, no, I, seriously. Good now. <laughs> nah, 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 we're talking. No, nah, but seriously, there's, you know, it's, at this point, there's nothing that I'm after sneaker-wise. Right. I think I pretty much have all of my grills. Um, I think the only thing that I would love to have that I don't have, which really nobody has, are the self-lacing bags. Um... I They're supposed to be coming out though, you know. It was like, oh, but that was like, nobody has them yet. But they right. come out, I'll get those. Right. But like other than that, unless it's like a once in a lifetime thing, I can't do it. What's the worst you had to go through to get a pair of sneakers, and what the were they? Worst I ever went through to get a pair of sneakers. Um, that's a good question. I think the worst thing I ever did was just the worst thing I ever had to go through was just waiting. Like, How long? Ten years. Like, oh, all right, like, like for example, the medic, the Medicom ducks. Right. I tried when they, they probably came out. What like those were SBs? Probably like what oh four, oh five, around there, yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. I tried every avenue I had back then. No luck. I go to the Medicom offices in Japan. <laughs> they, they, they. Uh, somebody I knew knew the, knew uh, one of the one of their executives. I took the meeting hoping that I could get into the office and find a pair of sneakers. <laughs> they weren't there. They were like offering to build like a Just Blaze. Uh, cause I think they make, doesn't Medicom do bear bricks? Yeah. They offered to make a Just Blaze bear brick, like wearing a snow beach. I'm just like, sneakers? 
<laughs> we'll make you your own bear brick. I'm like, that's cool. You got any more than belts? Like, no lie. Like, that's the only reason I really took the meeting. Right. Just to try to get those sneakers and get into the office. Right. So I can just look around and see if anybody happened to have a pair under the desk that I could talk to, whatever. Yeah. Nothing. Um, eBay. It's eBay. Yeah, I'm going on eBay. There's they're asking for eBay prices four thousand, right. five thousand. I'm not doing that. All right. It took me random, randomly going to Japan two years ago, and just walking around Harajuku, and there was just one random small hole in the wall spot, and they had a bunch of stuff just lined up. They had one pair sitting on the wall, and I was like, and I asked them how much, and the price was it was reasonable. Your you size. Know? Oh yeah, my, no. First, well, first, I asked them what size it was, and they said ten and a half, and I was like, "Yeah, right, no way." They were ten and a half, and the price was it was respectable. Right, it, it was less than a thousand dollars. It was probably like it might have been like four or five hundred, hmm. and I was just like, <laughs> "I got that." <laughs> I got that right now. No questions asked. I I thought maybe they didn't recognize me, and then they were like. Oh, but we know who you are, so let's take a picture with you and the sneakers. And I'm like, oh, that's why you gave it to me so cheap. <laughs> All right, cool. Fine. I'll take the picture. I'll take the picture, no. Yeah, so I got, yeah, I, that was one of my grails. The, uh, the Dornbeckers were, uh, Dornbecker 4s were another grail I never had. I think other than that, the only thing that I'm missing is the, uh, I never had the Pigeon SPs. But I don't really need them at this point, you know, it's, I'm cool. Good. It's just, you know, you, you, you have all these sneakers that take over like a whole house or half a house. You have all this polo shit that takes over half a house. You have all these records that take over like two houses. <laughs> hey, what are you calling? When you die, you can't take it all with you. All so right. for me, I'm, I'm at the point now where like, even like, especially with records, I used to just get everything that I could that had a break on it or it was rare or whatever. Now I'm just like, you know what? I just want the things that really mean the most to me personally. And I really feel like in life, that's, you know, that's kind of just where I, I try to carry myself in life in general. You know, I'm a collector at heart. But let me just collect the things that really mean the most to me, and uh, personally, not just because they're the cool thing to collect or they're the cool thing to have, or because everybody wants them, or because you know you found a thousand dollar record for a hundred dollars or for twenty dollars. But do you like the record? Right. If you don't like it, don't buy it just because it's a thousand dollar record that nobody else can get. Right. You know, I feel like I, I fell into that for a long time with collecting in general. I feel like a lot of us as collectors just like, like I collect forty fives. I saw the uh, the Super Mario Brothers 45 that has the theme song on it from like 1985 or whatever. And they put it out. And it's like a $400, $300, 45 But then there's a reissue that came out in the UK for $20. But like at first my reaction was, oh, fuck that, I got to get the, the Japanese one, the $400 one. And I'm like, but for what? Who really cares that it's the $400 one versus the... I'm not impressing anybody, anybody but other record nerds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> At a certain point, you gotta, you know, you just gotta, you gotta think a little bit smarter than that. So, right. I just collect what I love personally, and what makes the most sense to buy. That's what's up. Yes, sir. Well, shit. Um, I think I appreciate that interview it was amazing, and the set was crazy, <laughs> and no um, I'm kind of speechless. So, everybody, make some noise for just Blaze. <laughs> So, yeah, so with that said, uh, moving on to the next segment before we get to DJ Danger Zone. Uh, we actually did a giveaway uh, for this show of uh, the Master 12s. Uh, yeah, can, I see those? can I see those before you give them away? <laughs> yeah, gosh, I think. Are they here? They might be here. 
We'll I don't see them out. on the internet. I haven't actually seen them in person. I heard they look really good in person. They're dope. The box is ill. What um, size are they? Uh, whatever size you need. Uh-huh. Ten and a half, right? That's what I heard. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> anyway, um, we uh, got over 200 or 250 entries. Uh, we threw it in the randomizer. And the winner is DJ KCQ. Hey. So DJ KCQ. If uh, you're listening to this, so you'll, you'll we'll post you up on Instagram in a second. Uh, you are the winner of a pair of Master 12s, Air Jordan, and uh, DJ City Serato collab records. We'll get that over to you. And uh, man, thank you so much to Just Blaze for being our special guest. Hold up, hold up. How's Uncle Snoop? He hitting you up? Um, I don't know yet. I stopped looking at my phone. Once somebody hit me like, why are you playing this music? I'm going to check this out later. <laughs> yeah. We're still gonna... Oh, yeah. Big ups to Ustream for giving us some front page love. We appreciate that for sure. Shout out to Serato always for showing us love on social media. And shout out to you for tuning in. We appreciate you guys. Uh Almost 200 people chatting it up. Yeah, it's popping. And um, DJ Scene, Four Color Zach, Jay Espinoza. There's Fashion, Styles Davis. (laughs) DJ Pound in the chat room. Shout out to LP for making a Snapchat geotag for just today. I see you. (laughs) Is DJ Pound in the chat room? You don't count. Is he in the chat room? Yeah. Let's uh, think so. That sounds familiar. Don't see him. I'm gonna yell at him later on. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no I'm, I'm gonna, let me just say this publicly. DJ Pound. I don't. I don't <laughs> the fact that I had to find out that that's my brother. First of all, same same father, same mother. That's my brother. You guys have put like his remixes on your page, and I have to find out from looking at the page. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he exclusive. He doesn't tell me. <laughs> like I found, like I saw some tweet like. Today's uh, special remixes or today's whatever featured whatever is DJ Pound and DJ Shadow Red, uh, such and such remix, and I'm like, why am I finding out from a blog? <laughs> <laughs> thanks for thanks for showing the family love, but uh, whatever. Group 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 picture group picture. Group chat group chat. <laughs> <laughs> 